Welcome to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Lots of people want to hear from the popular, nationally known pastors, but few seminarians realize that they most likely won't be one of them. Those so-called little guys have lots to say about pastoral ministry, and today the Spin Team talks with Amy's pastor, Francis Van Delden. Keep listening until the end of the podcast, and we'll tell you how to download a free audio resource from the Alliance. Welcome to Mortification of Spin. Today is a particularly happy occasion. Indeed, if it was not for the plain teaching of the Word of God, I think I would now become a post-millennialist. I'm delighted to announce that Amy Bird, having been not far from the Kingdom of God for some years, has finally decided to make the transition into the true church, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. It's apostasy. She is leaving the the purgatorial church in America uh, and joining the OPC. And we are delighted to have as our guest today the man that has made it all possible, (laughs) Reverend Francis Van Delden from New Hope Presbyterian Church in Frederick, Maryland, is the one who has brought Amy Bird over into the true church. So Francis, it is, what can I say? It is a true, true pleasure to have you on the show today. I guess I can now depart in peace. Uh, my, my task is done. Task indeed, is done. indeed. Yeah. We should break out into the, uh, into the song yeah, straight my, away. My question, though, is the OPC ready for Amy Bird? That's a good question, Todd. And I don't think Francis quite knows what he is dealing with yet. I, I think he's starting to regret the day that I walked through his, his church doors. Well, I'm impressed that Amy's now going for the bun and the denim, uh, I was going to say burka, but the denim jumper. The denim yeah. jumper. Compulsory yeah. female mm-hmm. wear for women in the OPC. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I've noticed that when she's in public situations, she doesn't speak. She just looks at her husband. That's a definite improvement. Yeah, definite yeah. improvement. Uh, My husband might, you know, benefit from that. <laughs> <laughs> She's even abandoned Miller Genuine Draft and has started drinking alcohol, go. I believe. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we have uh, Pastor Van Delden on as a guest, in part because we want to put our money where our mouth is. Sometimes we have people who are quote-unquote well-known, famous on here, but we've also had guests, and, and hopefully, by God's grace, we'll continue to have guests that are not nationally known, and that's the way it, it should be, because one of the things that you may discover is that uh, people who are not nationally known still do indeed have things worthwhile uh, to, to, to hear. And so uh, we're glad you took time to, uh, to hang out with us a little bit um, today. I will say, though, Although I've set you up as somebody who's not nationally known. Nicely patronizing introduction, I thought. I, I was just going to say, though, but for an OPC church that runs around 200, you're officially a mega church in the OPC, right? I mean, you, 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 you're in a position to actually look down on Carl because he's more of a, um, although Carl's church is he's massive. He's up there, isn't he? Well, yeah, he, you know, he's Around over 100 now, which does classify as a as a megachurch in OPC world, right? I am almost the Joel Osteen of the OPC world, I see. as I've said before. As I've said before. <laughs> I see. And New Hope Presbyterian. How, how long have you been uh, the pastor here at New Hope? Almost four years. Almost four years. And you came from? I was in Grand Rapids uh, at Harvest OPC before that, okay. for about six years there as an associate. Uh-huh. And you said a boat, so I'm assuming you're from Canada. You're assuming correctly. All yep. right. I'm trying to teach these folks the Queen's English. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> 
You were a you were an associate with uh, Dale Van Dyke then right. in Grand Rapids. Yep. Dale is one of the uh, the shining lights of of the OPC. Good, I'd amen that. Yeah, really appreciate yeah. him. Yeah, but before he was uh, called into the ministry, Francis owned a fish and chips restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. Outstanding in Canada. Yep, that's so right. How are things different for you now? <laughs> I think in, in ministry, your, your sins find you out more than in the fish and chip shop. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they were there. Um, it's just interesting how, how that part's clearer. But I think many things are the same. Love for people, that's one of the things I loved in the fish and chip shop. Same thing here. A uh, chance to talk to people about real things. Um, and that's, I think the thing I miss most about the fish and chip shop is cutting fish. Not because I love cutting fish so much, your hands... Mm-hmm end up being smelly for the rest of the day. But mm-hmm. um, the, the time to think, just uninterrupted time to just ponder some of life's questions. Mm-hmm. Now, as, as a pastor in, in an OPC church, you're dealing with people every day. You don't have five layers of administrative assistance that people have to go through to reach you. You're actually dealing with people where they live, not only preaching to them on Sunday, but walking with them uh, during the week. What what does that typically look like for you on an average week as a pastor in a church where you've got a lot of people? For, for I don't think people always realize because they're so used to only hearing pastors of churches of five or six or 40,000. I don't think people realize just how demanding having over 50 people in a church can be spiritually demanding, mm-hmm. emotionally demanding. So when you've got several hundred people that you feel responsible for under God for the care of their soul. Uh, that's something you kind of walk in and experience every day. Mm-hmm. What does that look like for you on an average week? I'm not sure exactly what you're asking as, as far as hours go. I think really just maybe the, the weight of, of yeah. that. I met with a fellow last night um, after a Bible study just just to wade through some tough stuff. I got a phone call after this. fellow called this morning. Do you have time to talk? I've got a job. Um, some just weighty at work that I have to consider. Um, and that's a joy to me. It's, it's not so much an interruption. Sometimes it is. Sunday comes quickly. Yeah. But it really does make your, your preaching uh, fresh because you've got to speak to real issues, and they're always coming up to you. So it's, it's a privilege to be allowed to walk through some of this stuff with folks. Um, but, it, yeah, it's, it's accessible. I don't get a lot of calls in the evening. Um, Maybe once a week, where it's it's later in the evening, but I'd say probably at least ten ten folks a week, um, kind of face to face interaction. It's refreshing to hear you talk like that, Francis, because one of the things that uh, I've been struck by is is how often pastors complain about their lot in life, and yet it seems to me that by and large it's members of congregations who are on the the rough end of things. They're the ones who are working in very hostile work environments. They're the ones who are facing increasingly very, very difficult moral and ethical decisions uh, on a daily basis. Uh, those of us sort of professionally involved in the religious world are by and large somewhat sheltered mm-hmm. from that. We're not facing the kind of uh, sexual identity politics mm-hmm. in its most hostile variety that, that a lot of our congregants do on a daily basis. So it's great to hear you talking in terms of uh, just taking a delight in mm-hmm. your people and, and delighting to help them. What do you see as the most pressing uh, issues in uh, your pastoral work? What are the things that come up most consistently as needing uh, pastoral help? I think marriages are one. Um, sexual sin is another. 
Um, Do you find internet pornography is a fairly constant problem pastorally? It, it is. Yeah. yeah, it just doesn't stop. And it's accessible, anonymity, anonymity if I could say that word. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are the two that, that come to the top of my mind. Yeah, yeah. What do you advise people relative to internet pornography as a matter of interest? I mean, Todd and I both have to deal with people who are struggling with this fairly regularly. Well, what would your advice be to somebody uh, involved in that? Work hard not to, not to live in the darkness. Um, talk to other people. Um, I, I just talked to somebody the other day about it. And get in the Word. Be in prayer. If, if you want to make progress, memorize the Word. Uh, those are some of the things we usually forget. Even with something as, as, you know, does that really help with pornography? Well, yeah, because you're thinking more about Christ. And the more you view Him, see Him as, as wonderful, and we all wish we saw Him more as, as more wonderful than we do, but that, that begins to change the heart from trying to seek satisfaction or um, escape in something like porn. So that's, that's probably where I would begin. Interesting, interesting. Tom, do you have any? Yeah, I mean, I was struck, Francis, by the same thing, and I'm encouraged talking to you. This is one of the values of talking to non-celebrity pastors, is that I love to hear the fact that you clearly have joy in pastoring people. And, and I would just say, if you're looking for a church, if you've moved and, and, you're, and you're looking for a church, um, and you're attending a church maybe and your pastor's always complaining about being a pastor, that's mm-hmm. not a good sign. Um, yes, there's difficult things about being a pastor, but it is a privilege to get to preach every week. It's a privilege to know that you can actually help someone. That's why they call you. Um, and yes, sometimes it's hard. And yes, sometimes it's inconvenient. But it, it it's it's a privilege to be there for people mm-hmm. and to help them walk through some of these things. And there are pastors out there who love doing what they do. And that's that matters. And that's contagious. I mean, I see that in the elders of the church as well. And um, it's really created an environment where people feel open to be able to talk about their struggles a little more. Like one thing I was moved by at this church is in the small groups, the prayer requests were so honest yeah. about yeah. personal sin, um, you know, really asking for prayer. And my husband and I were relieved because, um, you know, there were no pretenses. It wasn't, oh, I'm an older and I'm perfect. And, you know, we've been attending here for this long and we're perfect. Um, and I'm, I'm encouraged more to pray for these people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and that's, that's a culture that, that comes so often top down. From, mm-hmm. from the pastors right. and the elders of, of the church. Francis, one question I, I had for you before we wrap up in just a little bit, but one question I had for you is, you've been here now for several years. What was your experience in transitioning to a church? What did it take for you to begin building a level of trust among the people that you came here to be for? How long did it take before you felt in your preaching and in your pastoral care, how long did it take before you felt like, I think I'm here now. I, th- I think mm-hmm. they're receiving from me now. I think I'm connected, if that makes sense. I think it went fairly quickly. My wife and I were both surprised. I think within three months, we said, this this feels like home. That's great. And a large part of that is because this church has a very similar feel to the church I came from. Mm-hmm. Um, like Amy just said, people being honest about sin, it, where I grew up, it, it's uh, you just don't really talk about sin. You confess it, but that's about it. At Harvest and here too, the, the the gospel's clear enough that people can handle real sin, mm. and that's I, I think that's wonderful. And I began that way. I think even candidating, um, 
just mentioning, so while I was candidating, mentioning some of my big struggles. It, you're, this is who you're getting. Yeah. Um, and I think I didn't necessarily do that to build trust. It just felt like it was appropriate. Um, but I think that type of openness helps to build that. Um, what I did was to build trust um, was just get together with folks. I tried to visit, uh, whether for, for dinner, or at least get into everybody's home uh, in the first while. There's still one or two that I haven't done that yeah. yet with. But um, I, I think that's helped. And preaching-wise, that's taken longer, and it's probably more my issues than theirs as far as feeling like we're really connecting and I'm ministering. Um, yeah. I, I love to hear your insight there about getting here and immediately starting to get into people's homes. There's really no substitute for that, is there? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great piece of advice to any pastor, particularly a guy who's going to move into a new place. You've got to get into people's homes. Because then you, you don't just see them in their Sunday clothes. Right. Um, you see them in their environment, and you can see a lot, even just family dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Have you found the pastoral burdens have become much more extreme in the last, say, six months? <laughs> Amy, that's about how long you've been attending, yeah, right? right? I'm picking up what you're laying down. Yeah. <laughs> I can't handle it. I'm about to quit. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you guys have had your fun. Thank you, Francis, for letting us spend some time interviewing you and sharing some of that. And, yeah, and I'm, I'm very happy here. I'm looking forward to moving back to Frederick. So it's been a joy to be able to find this church and and to be a part of it. So thank you. And I just want to thank our listeners and we'll talk to you next time. One thing I know about the rest of my life I know that I'll be living in Canada I know I said I'll share the rest of my day But I was only going to a place Am I gonna settle down Am I gonna be Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. The Alliance is a coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen who hold the historical creeds and confessions of the Reformed faith and who proclaim biblical doctrine in order to foster a Reformed awakening in today's church. Make sure to visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, to download a free audio message from John Payne, Devoted to the Means of Grace, the life and ministry of John Owen. Tune in next week to hear the team talk with author J. Todd Billings about a sobering topic. The reason we have Todd on the show today is that he is struggling at the moment, suffering with a form of cancer, multiple myeloma, and has written a book about his experience entitled Rejoicing in Lament, Wrestling with Incurable Cancer, and life in Christ. Hear more next week. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to visit mortificationofspin.org to download your free MP3. Pastor Van Elden, 
Did I just say your name right? Van Delden. Van Delden. Okay, we can edit. edit. We can Typical edit. PCA guy. No respect <laughs> for his betters. Yeah. Um. Well, we have uh, Pastor Van Delden on as a guest.